I had a really interesting thing happen. Uh, I've uh, spent the last couple of days in a really bad place psychologically and emotionally and spiritually. I've been absolutely miserable. Nothing really bad has happened. Yeah, I've had a few, you know, ch business challenges, but it's nothing catastrophic. And at the end of the day, I've been doing this to myself. I, I did. This is this is just classic me. This is what I do. This is my wheelhouse. This is my this is my stock and trade. This is my specialty. You know, I've got a lot of years of experience at doing this. And sometimes when I really you know get into a bad place, uh, I just get lost. I mean, there and, and and it's so interesting because there's been several things that have kind of converged over the last 24 hours that have given me some real clues as to, you know, what, what the problem really is and what I can do to actually not continue to suffer because I, that's really what I'm doing. First of all, I'm forgetting that I'm choosing to suffer. Suffer. I'm choosing this. This is, what, this is what I'm choosing for myself. I don't have to stay in that place. Nobody's put me in that place except, except I've chosen to stay there. I made a, a, a choice to enter that, you know, to go through that door into that place that uh, where I, that place of misery. And I stay there. It's kind of like the old Andy Griffith show. Uh, there was a, you remember the drunk Otis? He used to stay in that cell. They just got to the point that he just stayed there and he could come and go as he pleased. He was supposedly quote unquote a prisoner, you know, but it was just the, the fact was he just, you know, came and came and went. I mean, he, he could actually create the key was stuck in the lock. He could reach around unlock himself and, and let himself out anytime he wanted. So basically a lot of the times, I mean, I forget that I'm in that cell and I, the key's available. I can let myself out if I choose. I just don't choose to. And that's really the problem. I learned something really interesting yesterday and I'll kind of relate it to something that happened today. Uh, I was with an acquaintance of mine that is a uh, very, uh, quite a famous local photographer here and he mentioned something in passing. I don't think he really intended to teach me anything, but it was one of those really important lessons that I needed to internalize that the universe was offering up to me. And I didn't realize it in the moment, but after reflecting on it, I did. We were talking about the Council Oak Tree that the Creek Indians uh, at 18th and Cheyenne, where the Creek Indians, you know, first that was their gathering place where they brought uh, their ashes from the communal, communal fire. And that was basically their uh, their sacred place when they first established a uh, a settlement in the Tulsa area. Beautiful place overlooks you know the Arkansas River, the Turkey Mountains, and it's I love going there. I live just around the corner from there. And anyway, what I thought was interesting was he showed me a picture. We were going through some of his photographs yesterday. There was a really startling picture. It was a tree that was in front of a lo nice large home at like 29th, a uh, little bit east of Lewis. And the tree, it was really odd. It was a big oak, but it was sort of all the branches were kind of curved over to the side. And I thought, I'd, I, and I was asking him why that was or if he, you know, if there, what the significance was of him taking that picture. And he mentioned that that's actually the result of that, that tree has been over like that. There are numerous trees in the Tulsa area. He hasn't found all of them. Some of them, I'm sure, have been cut down. But these are basically, these trees bend over this way because the Creek Indians, when they were actually traveling here to the Tulsa, what is now known as the Tulsa area on the Trail of Tears, they, uh, in order to let, you know, because they, they came in groups, so they didn't all, you know, travel here at the same time. The people who came first, you know, the men always traveled from what he told me, the men always, you know, came to the settlement first and then sent for the women and children after they had a, a place set up, uh, a more of a settlement ground. And uh, that was, you know, the not permanent, but it was, you know, more established. And so they, 
basically would uh, have to have signals of some sort. And the way they did this was, I'm not sure why, but they would actually tie down younger trees with, you know, something with string or whatever it was. And as the, uh, the women and children and the other people were traveling, you know, they just knew to head west. That's all they knew. And so in order to, to know where to go, you know, it wasn't like they really had maps uh, at that time, evidently. So what they did was they actually followed a network of bent-over trees and just kept going further west. When they would see a tree, that would be the signal to, uh, to keep proceeding west. Uh, and I guess if they needed to go north or south, I assume that the tree would point. I don't know this for sure, but the tree would point to the north or the south, or it would point in whatever direction they needed to continue uh, traveling on. And I thought to myself, you know, it's really interesting because I, I'm sure if you picture, put yourself out, you know, imagine yourself out in, you know, what is now known as Tulsa. There's nothing, there's no way, you know, way to find your way. Everything, it's just, it's just, just open field. It's just land. And you're, you're headed, you know, somewhere to meet everybody else. You don't really know exactly how to get there. It's not like anybody could communicate that to you long distance. And you're just out in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden these just very subtle signs pop up. And if you're not paying attention to those signals, if you're not present in the moment, you're obviously never going to find the place, uh, to, you know, the settlement to uh, join the rest of your tribe. You can't really, you know, and so you, you, you can't just blindly, you know, travel and, and, and not pay attention to what you're doing or you're never going to get there. And I'm sure there's all sorts of dangers involved in uh, not getting where it is you ultimately need to go. So I realize, you know, when I'm in that place, when I'm really, when I'm miserable and I'm, I'm creating my own misery, I'm perpetuating my own misery, it's just a constant cycle of ongoing, self-created, perpetuated misery. I'm not looking for any signs or signals. They're there. There are signs and signals that I've set up that just, I happen to just, you know, uh, randomly run into that, you know, remind me that I don't have to continue on like this, but... When I'm in the middle of my own misery and living in my own head, I'm not. Uh, I, I don't see anything. I'm. I'm. I'm too busy in here. I can't be out there where the signs and signals are, reminding me to return back to that place uh, of calm and peace, and to remember that things aren't you know nearly as bad as I think they are. Even if sometimes things are are not not good, I, I, I still things are never as bad as I think that they are, and I don't have to keep you know choosing to perpetuate this suffering. Sometimes, though, the signs are there, but we need, uh, sometimes we need somebody to, we need somebody to remind us. Sometimes uh, we shouldn't, you know, depend on other people. Uh, and sometimes, you know, I guess the ultimate would be to be able to remind ourselves. So there are, there are external cues that remind us to return back to that place of peace, to return back to the present moment. Uh, you know, sometimes we're uh, fortunate enough to have people uh, give us signals that we've, that we've lost our way. Uh, we can't depend on that and we shouldn't depend on that. It would ultimately be nice if we could actually do that for ourselves. Perfect example. Uh, my daughter Hillary contacted me uh, earlier this morning. Was very, very upset. She had uh, had a pair of fairly expensive work shoes that she wore mistakenly to the dog park and knowing that she shouldn't have done so. And one of the dogs that was there got them all dirty and she was just completely beside herself because the shoes were ruined. They, you know, she was going to have to buy new shoes. So she's texting me and contacting me and, and just and just basically I can see what she's doing to herself. She's just making herself miserable, utterly miserable. And I realize, oh my gosh, that's me. I do that all the time. 
And so what I did was I became this voice of rationality, just this very calm, okay, Hillary, you know, at the end of the day, you must embrace this. You've chosen this. This is not the best choice, but you're only human. Don't kick yourself. You simply need to go get another pair of shoes. This is going to be a painful mistake. It's going to cost you something. And at the end of the day, this will be a lesson not, you know, to think about what you're doing before you do something else. There's no need to punish yourself over this. You can simply, you know, deal with what you need to deal with, make it right for yourself and get on with your day. And what's so funny is she was just so upset. It wasn't funny that she was suffering, but what was funny was that I am the voice of reason. Suddenly, me, the person who I sometimes feel like I invented self-created misery, like I'm the king of self-created misery and self-perpetuated misery. I'm calmly, you know, showing her, I'm basically, you know, psychologically or, or uh, what's the word I'm trying to say, figuratively tying over trees to guide her where she needs to go to get to back to that place, uh, that settlement of peace within herself. And she texted me like an hour later, hey dad, you know, thanks so much. I mean, I actually went and got some new shoes, got a great deal on them at the outlet store. Uh, I'm ready to let this go. I'm ready to get on with my day. And I'm literally doing the, you know, see, see how easy that was. And I think when I was saying it to her, I was really saying it to me too. See how easy this is. All you have to do is remember that deep inner wisdom. Just, you know, come back to the present moment, choose to stop suffering, fix whatever it is that you've broken. And sometimes we do, we're human. It doesn't mean we're bad people and get on with our day. Now, if I could actually do the same thing for myself, if I, and it's wonderful that I want to do this for other people, but I've also got to be able to do it for myself and I'm not good at it. And I really struggle with this. And at the end of the day, I now know there are signals, you know, that are laid out for me in some cases. Sometimes I will be lucky enough to get reminders, but most importantly, what I need to do is actually do that for myself. Give myself that same love and compassion that I obviously love giving other people. It's as simple as that. This is not rocket science. We probably learned this in kindergarten, but I just keep forgetting it. If I could just remember to return back to this place of peace within myself, life would be so much easier. Now I have to remember to do it.